Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast is recorded live from Studio WKRD in Greenville, South Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by our friendly local game store, Boardwalk, purveyors of fine games. Bezier Games, the new classics. AEG, we make fun. The Game Steward, your second chance at Kickstarter games. And Game Toppers, LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. Your hosts are here to help you sort through the cardboard commotion to help you find the diamonds in the rough. So buckle up, especially if you're driving right now, because you're about to arrive at the Tantrum House. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today we got Will Meadows, Sarah Meadows, Kevin Delp, Melissa Delp, and Ryan Pills in the house. And we are, of course, coming off of our high from Tantrum Con, which we're going to be talking about later in this episode. Man, so much fun to be had there. Uh, Big shout out to everybody who came. Really, really fantastically enjoyable time. And that's all I'm allowed to say about that. Because because we're going to be talking about it at the wrap-up of this episode. Before that, we've got some uh, games that we've been playing recently that we want to talk about. We have got a house guest who's going to be joining us today. And, I don't know, sponsors, all kinds of fun stuff in this episode. So, let's start at the beginning. What have you guys been playing recently? Well, Melissa and I got an expansion to the Adventures of Robin Hood game, which is a cooperative uh, game where players take on the roles of different um, people from Robin, from the story of Robin Hood, like Robin Hood, or Maid Marian, or um, who else is in there? Will Scarlet, Little John, Little John. Um, this is from Cosmos, and they um, we really enjoyed the base game, and it was like a I don't know multi scenario campaign that you're going through through a story adventure, and it has this unique um, mechanism where well it's got a book and it has different things that are going on in the story and you're revealing on the game board um what would you say those are melissa they're they're not quite puzzle pieces but they're cutouts so you can take a section it's numbered pull it out flip it over and sometimes there's a horse there or sometimes there's not or oh now there's a guard oh you defeated the guard flip him back down so i don't know almost like a um one of those advent calendars, yes, except they're... the pieces completely remove, not just windows. Right. So uh, we've talked about that in the past, um, but the new uh, expansion brings Friar Tuck and a new adventure with him. And uh, the expansion comes with a new book scenario, adventure scenario, and brings some new wooden pieces like Friar Tuck and also some Sheriff of Nottingham um, pieces as well. And I don't want to spoil too much more, but uh, we played the first adventure and thoroughly enjoyed it. It does have a little bit more that you add to the main game board and even pieces that you swap out for the new adventure. Mm -hmm. So when you say spoil, is it it's a new campaign module? A whole new campaign. Whole new campaign. It brings yeah, so it's really based off of a book adventure book that they base that you are reading different parts of the story. So I don't know if there'll be branching paths in this one. The other one had one branching path, but it was either pick this side or or this side, and you could do either one. So Cool stuff. Sarah and I were in Ohio this past week. We had an opportunity to play several party games with the family. We, of course, mm-hmm. busted out Green Team Wins. Yep. I think we played a little of Just, just, one. just one. We also played... I guess it was a Kickstarter. Are we allowed to talk about that? I feel like we are. Point played, City from played, AEG. Point City. I that played Super fun. Mega Lucky Box. Uh, yeah, it was yeah a great Point time. City and Deep Dive are going to be our live as we speak. Yeah. yeah it so. was, you talked about them last time. I don't feel like I did because I definitely didn't play them. But I did play it now, and it was good. I enjoyed Point City. I feel like I remember playing Point Salad, and I don't really remember how it played. But Point City was good. I'll play it again for sure. Mm-hmm. Playing against Ryan? Not that I'm allowed to talk about. (laughs) Melissa has one more. So we got an opportunity to play a game called Fiction. It's in a small little square box, and it's from All Play Games. They used to be BoardGameTables.com, but now they've rebranded to All Play for their board games that they're publishing. And this reminds me of Wordle. (laughs) It's... One versus many, where one person is the librarian, L-I-E. Whoa. So 
basically you draw a card from a famous book and they have books like Moby Dick and Pride and Prejudice, Little Women, Treasure Island. And on it is a selection from that book and certain words are highlighted and you can choose any of those highlighted words to be the word that the other players are trying to guess. So you choose your word, then the other team makes a guess like, oh, okay, um, stare. The librarian compares it and kind of like Wordle, you're saying, oh, this is the right letter in the right place. This letter's in here, but not in the right place, or this letter's not here at all. The twist is that the librarian tells one lie in their answers. So not only is the other team trying to figure out the word based on the information that the librarian has given, they know that it's not completely accurate information. So it's as if Wordle hated you and wanted to <laughs> like really confuse you. Um, so I played it several times. The first few times we struggled a little bit with the librarian. Um, yeah, Ryan. Me too. Um, <laughs> either telling too many lies or not telling any lies. And that <laughs> definitely throws off the whole logic. <laughs> so, but it's, it's hard. <laughs> Because I, I was it. like, I'm not going to do what Melissa did and <laughs> mess up on the very first clue. And then I did. And I didn't catch it until like eight words later. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, my. I'm a liar. <laughs> We're like, now we can't figure it out. But we have played it several times since then correctly. And, it works uh, a lot better when you play correctly. Yeah. There's a, a little bit of a timer and a number of guesses that people are allowed to have. But really, you have to use your brain to figure out. Oh, on word four, I've figured something out. So now I know what the lie was on word two. And then things just really start to, um, you know, come together. So that is fiction from All Play. And I think it's going to be available at Barnes & Noble. I'm not sure if it's exclusively there, but they have been advertising that it is available at Barnes & Noble. If you like word games, if you like Wordle, things like Mastermind, definitely check that out. One of the games that we didn't get to play, but that I wanted, we brought it with us. We were ready to play it. to talk about it. Yeah, is mansplaining. Have you guys played this yet? Have you played this one? Oh, yeah, I got to play that at the con, but I'm not allowed to talk about the con yet. Oh, oh I played it at <laughs> not the con <laughs> and am going to talk about it. Did you play it? Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, if yeah. you tell I played it at the con, let's talk about it later. That'd be fun. With, with the designer. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Both of them? Were they both? Oh, just one was there. Yeah, Only Mondo Tessa this time. We missed you for Tessa. All right, well. Why don't we take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor? This episode is sponsored by Gameland Games. Their game, The Last Kingdom board game, is coming to Kickstarter soon. And we're going to be talking more about it later in the episode and even with an interview. All right, well, let's not waste any time and get into that Kickstarter conniption. Kickstarter Conniption! This episode, we'll be talking about six games coming to crowdfunding during March 2023. Kevin, start us off. This one actually is already live. Melissa mentioned it as one of our as a sponsor of today's show from Gameland Games, the Last Kingdom board game. This is based off of, I guess it's based off a book series, but everyone knows it from the Netflix series. Yeah, it was a BBC show that Netflix picked up. It's gone, I think it had five seasons. They're releasing a movie in a month, I believe, to to like wrap it up. They've gone through like three Kings of England. It's, uh, oh wow. So Gameland Games has picked it up and they're making a board game out of this. Uh, The designer is John D. Clare. And you, as players, are either playing as the Danes or the Saxons, battling out for the territories. Uh, it's two to five player. It plays in about one to two hours. And yeah, so you are throughout the game drafting cards, and you're playing those cards to move ter- move to different places in the territory with your armies. You could even switch al- switch alliances to the other side. Um, you have your own. Would you say player power or your own yeah, each, leader? Each leader has, I think, two different powers. Mm-hmm. Um, like one is kind of a passive while you're in a territory and another uh, maybe a little more active, but they, they depend. Yeah, I find it interesting how you're drafting cards in one one phase of the round and then you're basically using those cards during the round to 
influence what's going on on the board state. And we're going to be able to have a a little behind-the-scenes look as we talk to Michael with Gambling Games in our interview today. But um, definitely wanted to talk about it because Ryan, Melissa, and I and some others were able to play uh, play this um, a few days ago. And we'll have on our channel a live playthrough, and Ryan's going to be doing an overview video. So if you'd like to see what this board or see what this game looks like, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. That is the Last Kingdom board game from Gamelin Games. Melissa, what do you have? So let's go to Japan from AEG, designed by Josh Wood. This is coming on March 21st, and it is a card drafting game where you are setting your itinerary to for a trip to Japan, and you're visiting Tokyo and Kyoto, and you have... I think Monday through Saturday, you're going to be laying cards in those different columns and you're trying to basically match icons to score points. And the top card on each column is going to have additional ways to score points. So you're thinking, do I want this card to be at the bottom of the column, middle? Do I want it at top? There's interesting aspects where you're drawing cards, you're playing one, passing the other one to another player, and then eventually you're going to draw the cards that have been passed to you. You're also having to travel between the two cities. So the more you have Tokyo and then Kyoto and then Tokyo cards, the more trains you need. And if you don't get enough trains, you're going to get negative points. So you're really thinking through where you want to place these cards so you don't have to like run all over the place and stress yourself out because there's even a mood meter where you want to do things that are going to relax you or cost less money and that will improve your mood and give you more points. If you do really costly things or stressful things, then you're going to start losing points. So there's a bit of a point salad in there. I've enjoyed my plays of it trying to balance out those icons and scoring and get the most of it. Kevin, what did you think? Yeah, it's another card drafting game, but it's sort of tableau building as well. Um, I guess sort of Seven Wonders-like. Um, there's a little bit of similarities there. But in this in this case, where you place your cards in your tableau are super important. Um, each day you're looking for like certain icons which really help you in, in your... Um, and what you're getting in the game. But um, I remember since I played it multiple times, sometimes I'm looking for a certain icon because I know like it's in the game somewhere um, and because I want to put it in a certain day and I just never see that icon. So I had to sort of rearrange what I'm doing in um, in that round, for instance. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed my plays of Let's Go to Cham- Japan. I was going to say one note is uh, some of our friends, Ryan and Anna, are going to Japan. I was going to bring that and out as well. I literally that. took a picture of the box cover and texted it to Ryan and said, <laughs> you won't believe the game that we've been playing. So they're, they're planning that vacation right, right they now. Literally I was they're specifically, going in like five weeks. <laughs> I was specifically going to ask, in the game, do you ever get like cherry blossoms? Because I know they're going at the time of year where you got to see all the cherry blossoms. That is one of the main icons. Yes, Each it. day you <laughs> randomly put out an icon. So there's like food. It's kind of like looks like sushi, cherry blossoms. The cards themselves are pretty fun. There's like go to an anime museum. Nice. Like go to (laughs) these different temples or restaurants and and things like that. And each type of card fits under a a theme, the icon it is. So the cherry blossoms are probably like going to parks and, and things like that. Perfect. So, yes. And that was Let's Go to Japan. Ryan. Coming March 14th is the game Lore, L-O-R-E. And let me just read you a little blurb from the inside cover of this game. Can we pull up a chair? Right here, yeah. You and your friends will assume the role of a fantasy archetype over a three-day journey. You will travel across beautiful lands, collect treasure, go on quests, fight monsters, and uncover mysteries. At the end of the third day, the game ends, and the player with the highest score will be the winner. However, we hope you'll get more out of the journey than just winning. So, once upon a time, dot, dot, dot. Uh, So it looks like, you know, they've made an RPG board game, but it's not quite like any other RPG board game I've seen. I don't know how to play it. But the art in here is—it uh, is pretty cool. I like looking. it a lot. It does look neat. <laughs> so, I don't even know what style to call it. It like, yeah, 
the box cover itself is like just the letters L O R E, but it's like in drop cap. What's the art word for it there, Sarah? Where you like illustrate the entire story in the individual first oh, letter? Illuminated manuscripts. Illuminated manuscripts. It reminds me a little bit of a leader games with their four letter yes. words, four letter um, games, root, vast, and things like that. Not the same company, nope. but it just reminds me a little bit. A of hint, that. a hint of that. It also yeah. kind of like. I think because some of it's medieval, it looks like Sword in the Stone. Mm-hmm. Just that meets Robin Hood, the Disney meets, versions. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Let me let me tell you about how Endgame scoring goes. Okay. So if you get two gems, that's a point. Oh sweet. Then <laughs> you get points for shared lore cards and solo lore cards, for relics you've collected, monsters you've defeated, quests you've completed, and the amount of renown you've gained. Also, the titles you've won, whether Monster Slayer for most monsters slain, most quests completed is the true hero, most relic and lore is the scholar, and most gems collected is the prospector. So uh, it looks like they've done a really good job with the game so far. If this is just a prototype, I'm looking forward to seeing how the actual game uh, turns out. Check it out on Kickstarter if that sounds of interest to you. Lore coming March 14th. And if you are interested in seeing what it looks like, I think we're doing a playthrough on our channel. We are doing a playthrough, I think, the week that this launch comes out. So yeah. in a couple days. Cool. Check it out. Check it out. Well, what do you got? I'm checking out the game Pocket Rails from Mr. B Games. This is a simple uh, card game that's themed around uh, train lines, and it's basically a, a real... Uh, streamlined stock market manipulation type of game where you are going to be playing a hand of cards. You'll have a little bit of insider info at the beginning of the game where you'll kind of know uh, some of the cards that you don't want to have at the end of the game. And essentially you're going to be playing a train line card, which will be one of the like five brands of train companies at the beginning of the game. And then you will be uh, trying to collect not too you're trying to basically balance your portfolio of cards in your hand because if you have too many matching cards then you'll cause like a not a stock split i can't remember what they call it in the game but uh you will end up playing those cards to the table and it will reduce the overall value of the cards instead of allowing them to score points in your hand so you're trying to have uh, a variety of different cards in your hand and then at the end of the game you'll score uh, based on whatever cards have been laid to the table the value of those cards uh, will determine the cards that are in your hands value so pretty straightforward simple card game but uh, looks like there's plenty of strategy in that one so if you're interested in that check out pocket rails i think that one's coming march 21st as well from mr b games kevin what do you got March 23rd, Restoration Games launches Unmatched Adventures Tales to Amaze. This is in their Unmatched series line, if you're familiar with that, where it's usually a head-to-head battle. You can play uh, 2v2, uh, but this game is a sort of co-op game where players are working together to defeat one of the two villains, either Mothman or the Martian Invader. Uh, The villain has unique battlefields with unique objectives. Uh, The villain, if a villain has, like, objectives and they're trying to defeat the heroes and if they do that then they're going to lose the interesting thing of course is the sort of the co-op nature but the four new heroes listen to the heroes that you could be nikola tesla he discharges his electric electrified electrified coils to power up his effects any christmas gets stronger when she's fighting from behind and the golden the golden bat number three the world's first superhero he has a variety of powerful effects and Dr. Jill Trent, science sleuth, calls on a collection of gizmos. I was like, those are unique. <laughs> Quite the variety right? of weird characters. <laughs> right. So I was like, oh, like uh, the ones that they've had in the past, like um, they've had, I remember the ones that we've played, uh, like, do you remember the um, Invisible well, Man and Sherlock Holmes? Holmes? Yeah. So there's a like basic one. These ones are like, whew. Off on the the outer edges of is the baseball one like Babe Ruth or what is the the golden bat? I thought I was thinking of like uh, Batman. I don't. Is there a picture? I need now. There's no picture. Uh, oh wait, maybe there is a picture. Oh well, I don't want to take up the podcast time because the player, or the people listening, can't see what I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, but we're doing like, it anyway. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like a guy with a sword. Ah, uh, okay. So anyway. That is 
Unmatched Adventures, Tales to Amaze. Do we have one more? We do. Right. Coming March 23rd from Catalyst Game Labs is Battletech. And you may say, haven't they already brought Battletech to Kickstarter? Yes, they have twice. <laughs> Once with the, the base Inner Sphere, um, which was just a rousing success. And then they had the Clan Kickstarter. I think this is the third. There may be another one that I've missed. Um, this one is a Mercenaries Kickstarter. So you're going to have 50 new designs. That's what it, it says Ooh, here. 50. Um, some of them are fan favorites that haven't been included yet, uh, including the Ost series. I'm not familiar with that one, but it says the first mechs with four legs. That's a big deal because mechs don't normally have four legs. Is that just an ATST or an AT? What do we... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, clan, at, at. There's Clan 2C mechs. There are uh, vehicles and turrets. And there's a bunch of Kickstarter collectibles like coins, patches, pins, and more. So uh, if you are a fan of Battletech, you should definitely check it out. I have to look away because... <laughs> Uh, I can't, I can't exercise that self-control, Ryan. Good job. <laughs> I just, you know, if I never play it, I can't, I can't invest anymore in it. <laughs> I already have a big cupboard full of mechs. So. As you look at them, what are your, what are your thoughts? Are you, are you I mean, in love? Is yeah, the, is it hard they, to fight? They've got some really good stuff here. It's, it's hard. My heart pines for mechs. <laughs> I just need more friends that play mechs. What's wrong with you people? Come to Greenville, y'all. All right, well, let's veer back to The Last Kingdom, the board game, and welcome a house guest to the house. Let's say hello to Michael. Hey! Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so, Michael, you are over Gameland Games, and we have you on the show to talk about The Last Kingdom board game. But before we start about that, just give us a brief like overview of Gameland Games. What, what is it all about? Yeah, absolutely. So Gamelin Games were most known for producing the Tiny Epic series uh, designed by Scott Alms. So that's kind of our, our bread and butter and our, our claim to fame, if you will. Um, we love fast playing games uh, and quick games and small games. And so it was just a natural fit uh, when we paired up with Scott to, to make the Tiny Epic series. But we also love really epic games from time to time as well. So we have... Uh, released heroes of land air and sea which is just if the people who know that game it's gigantic it doesn't even fit on the calyx shelf it's a it's a shelf topper you have to put it on top of the shelf because it doesn't go into the <laughs> into the actual cubbies but um so we have made large scale games and and so that's uh we're excited for this new one coming out as well which is a bigger game than tiny epic but it's nice and smooth and fast still yeah so let's jump into the last kingdom board game now um, our listeners are probably familiar with the Netflix series. And we were talking in, in just uh, at Tantrum House, was this based off of a book series or was this some, you know, I just, I mean, I know it's based on history, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't really know a little bit about the history behind uh, The Last Kingdom, the, the intellectual property. Yeah. So uh, yeah, The Last Kingdom is based on a book series uh, by Bernard Corn Cornwell. Uh, and that's kind of where the story started, which, of course, is uh, based off history as well. But, you know, it's kind of fictional history, if you will, in the sense that uh, he, he was, you know, took some creative liberties. But it is rooted in kind of that history, that forming of England um, during the, you know, 800, 900s uh, AD. So under under the, the rule of King Alfred the Great. Um, and then the show was picked up and ran a couple of seasons with like the BBC and then Netflix picked it up and ran it for a couple more seasons. And then now it actually has a full length feature film coming out. And I believe the film is going to debut on Netflix um, April 14th. So it, uh, it's very well going to kind of mix with our Kickstarter, which is pretty fun. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's a really great series. So people who are not familiar with it, definitely check it out on Netflix. Uh, it it gets compared in some ways even to like Game of Thrones. It's not quite, maybe not quite as gritty at times, mm -hmm. um, but the writing is fantastic and the acting is is superb. Cool. Yeah, I did hear about that movie coming. So that's exciting that they're sort of coinciding with uh, that's coinciding with the the board game um, on 
on Kickstarter. So that's great. So let's jump into uh, the board game. So this is uh, for two to five players, and uh, it's all about um, you're you're a leader in in, the, in this world, whether you're uh, part of the Saxons or the Danes. And um, and yeah, tell us a little bit about the game itself. Yeah, so the game very much captures kind of the spirit of the show or the, or the spirit of the story, certainly where the Danes are invading Britain and kind of pushing the Saxon armies back into Wessex, which is the last kingdom, right? And that's where mm-hmm. King Alfred kind of rules from Wessex and, and manages to form alliances with some of the neighboring kingdoms like Mercia and East Anglia and kind of try to muster up some strength to get uh, back into uh, the, you know, get control back of Britain and eventually form England. Uh, so that's kind of the role that the players are plunged into, into this game where uh, you will be playing as leaders uh, who are leaders from the characters from the show. And it's the leaders are going to be either Saxon or Dane or, or they switch back and forth, which is oh, yeah. a, a, <laughs> a commonality or a theme across the show for sure. Certainly for the main character, Uhtred, uh, definitely it's, it's interesting to watch his journey as he struggles because he's born Saxon, right? And then he uh, is kind of adopted by the Danes at a very young age and, and is raised among the Danes and knows them as his family. But he also has a birthright to Bebenburg um, in, in Northumbria, and so, which is a Saxon you know, uh, location. So he, he needs to kind of make sense of that in, in his head and his allegiance and whatnot. And so that you're kind of following that story throughout the series. And in the game, it's not too different from the player perspective where um, whether you start Dane or Saxon, it's going to be important to know when is the right time to switch your allegiance. Because uh, in this game, it is, you know, it's a large sprawling map of Britain and it's got five kingdoms all kind of delineated. And there's going to be conflicts in each of these kingdoms. And you're going to be participating in all those conflicts, regardless of where your particular leader is located, you'll still be participating in all the battles. And you want to make sure you're on the winning side. So that's kind of the whole thing is that if you see the Danes are starting to take the battle, then it, it may behoove you to switch your allegiance to Dane, even if only temporary to score the points. And then, you know, in the next battle, the Saxons get the upper hand. And if you're able to switch back to Saxon, but uh, it's not always easy to switch allegiance. And so that's it, this game. Definitely. Um, it, the, it really stresses kind of knowing when is the right time to make that move, right. Uh, both in that allegiance aspect, but also that, you're limited in how many actions you're going to take throughout each round. Uh, it's a, a really fantastic design by John D. Clare. It's our first time working with uh, John, and it's also our first time working with an IP. Both have been a very exciting and rewarding adventure. Uh, but John did such a great job with this game in, in its simplicity that then unfolds into just a ton of strategy and table politics. So I, I don't want to go off... And, and ramble, but <laughs> no, I wanted they... to actually we, in the in our interviews, we'd love to sort of pull the the curtain and look behind it and sort of, sort of see uh, what's going on behind the scenes. And you know, John Declare has um, done some uh, uh, good games with um, with AEG and others in the past with like uh, Dead Reckoning and Mystic Veil and and others. And yeah, how did that all come about? The partnership with him with with this as designing uh, the Last Kingdom board game. Yeah, so I'm fans of, of his previous designs, and that's uh, and also I got in touch with John through a friend of mine, uh, Sam Aho, who uh, was working with Gamelin Games at the time, and, and put me in touch with John, and he's also a big fan of John's games, and so um, that worked out really well, and, and I pitched the concept to John, and uh, at that time, John hadn't seen the show, but he's like, well, let me do some homework, and I'll get back <laughs> to you, right? He's like, I kind of, he's like, I get the ideas where you're going, and I think this is something... I have, you know, kind of in my toolbox as a designer, right? Um, but let me let me see the show a little bit. So he watched the whole the whole show and and came back and was like, "All right, let's go," right? And then put this design together, um, and it just really turned out great. And he was really able to capture unique personality traits of the different characters in the show, uh, which wouldn't be too different if you're whether you're a fan of the show or the books, even right? Um, you'd be able to see the correlations between these key characters and how they 
perform and how they kind of ask the player uh, while you're playing the game to perform, right? And, and it makes a lot of sense. And you can see this thematic tie through. Um, and so that's really exciting. But yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of how John and I got started. Cool. Yeah, the theme does definitely come through. And I will say, uh, I was able to play a uh, prototype of this and uh, the conflict uh, that you feel um, not only in uh, the, the battles that are going on, but the conflict, the inner conflict of, like you were saying, when to choose to go to uh, what side you want to be on is definitely a real thing in, in the game itself. I, I, so I think that comes through really well. I think, uh, I think John and the design uh, did a good job and the game definitely has that. Um, but yeah, so the, the Last Kingdom board game is coming to Kickstarter and uh, it, it will it will be on there for a few weeks, I assume. But tell us a little bit more about the campaign, uh, about the campaign. What what's going to be on the uh, for for people to back? Yeah, so um, the we've kind of you know thrown all the bells and whistles and just made this product as as awesome as it can be. So um, we're going to go with a, a campaign style that's uh, no stretch goals, similar to. Um, what we've been doing recently with even our most uh, couple recent tiny epic games. Uh, so the game is going to come right out the gate with 18 fully detailed miniatures. Um, it's going to have, uh, I think, 80 smaller miniatures that represent the warriors of these battles, uh, which oh, okay. very yeah. easily could have been, you know, in the prototype, you, you have I was cubes, like, we just right? were using cubes. Yeah, I didn't even, that's great to hear yes. that there's going to be little minis. That's great. Oh, they're really cool too. <laughs> and and they're kind of this, this like, almost like this ancient chess piece looking warrior that kind of doubles as Saxon ordain. It, the, from the imagery, it kind of go either way, which fits really perfect for the, for the theme. So, um, and this is like, there's, like I was saying, there's like 80 of those. So that's a really great value add just in terms of, it's going to be a lot of fun for people who enjoy painting and just mm -hmm. the immersion, uh, of that. It's going to bring to the board, seeing them all across the regions. Uh, and then even the castle Bevenberg is represented by a miniature token. Uh, and then there's this really great Viking ship and Thor's hammer. It's just really cool tokens that come in the game. Um, high quality components in terms of like linen finish and, and nice thick card stock. All of that is just kind of being included right out the gate. So uh, definitely people are going to be getting a great value for their, their money. And I think it's going to be, I think it's actually going to surprise people who typically uh, maybe see a game that has an IP associated to it and think, well, usually these licenses are so expensive and the, the publisher has to, kind of cut back and use chintzier components like mm -hmm. tiddlywinks or what, you know, <laughs> very basic kind of components in order to make sense of this. And, and uh, that is not the case here with this IP in Gamelin Games. We've always had a dedication to quality components and product. We want people to be proud of the game that they own and they, when they show it off and to really uh, help immerse them into it through the quality. And so that's something that we didn't cut corners with, uh, with this, particular product and and uh people are going to be really excited when they get this game in hand and see that this is not like normal ip games it is really a high quality hobby game you know an enthusiast's game uh it just happens to also share an ip with a, a hit netflix show but those those two things uh didn't there was no sacrifice in the mending of those two things. Cool. Well, uh, we we are wanting to tell the people listening this hopefully will launch on March twenty first. If um, all the T's get crossed and the I's get dotted, I guess if yes. you want to say it that way. <laughs> that is our um, goal. So, so look forward uh, to uh, the Last Kingdom board game from Gamelin Games uh, coming to Kickstarter soon. Hopefully on March twenty first. So look at her, look at it around that time. I'm sure you'll get more um, info on your uh, following your pages. So if you want to just tell the listeners where they can find out more information about Gambling Games, that'd be great. Yeah, so you can check us out gamblinggames.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, so you can find us any of those locations. Of course, you can always just Google Gambling Games or Google Tiny Epic, and uh, you you can find our website and check us out um, and see. Uh, learn more about the last kingdom board game as well there so thank you so much michael for being on the show all right hey thanks for having me kevin i appreciate it bye, bye.
Always interesting learning more about the backstories to uh, designers, to publishers, to board games. Um, this is actually a perfect segue because let's talk about Tantrum Con. We're ready. I'm ready. And uh, one of my highlight moments, I'll just jump right in, was getting to hear some of Ted Ospaw's backstory. Uh, publisher, president, owner of uh, Werewolf, not Werewolf, of Bezier Games. And one of my favorite backstories was hearing why he calls his company Bezier which I won't tell you the entire story to, but it was an interesting story and it was neat to learn. I think we've said it on the podcast Have before. Have we? You guys. How when? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it was one of his interviews. Oh, in, was it? Like a couple years ago. Well, I got oh. the inside scoop again. So go back and listen to one of our episodes from three years ago. Uh, but it was a neat story. Uh, Ted has some graphic design and marketing stuff in his background. And so we connected on a bunch of things. And it was a lot of fun catching up on uh, where he's come from and uh, learning a little bit more about his company and some of their future goals, which was really cool. Um, man, I got a bunch of stories about TantrumCon, but I don't want to hog the mic the whole time. So somebody else steal it away from me. What, uh, what are some of our highlight moments from TantrumCon? I was involved in several of the tournaments. Katie did a lot of the design work for them, and it was really cool to see what she came up with to redecorate the room each time for the different games. We played um, Libertalia, and she had pirate flags up and coins. We played campy creatures, and it was all like green tablecloths and a bubbly... Um, photo booth area pizza party pizza party that was probably that's great that's awesome like with the tablecloths and the pennants and stuff like that and then good. you also had jonah running around with a giant pizza costume got some great photos of that you can find those on our tantrum con facebook photo album that'll hopefully be ready by the time this episode goes live <laughs> so yeah we were playing new york slice with that one from bezier games and a turner meal basically it's one of the meals and we will have a game that a company has given us multiple copies of usually like maybe about 10 copies so we're having six to eight people at each table and we're teaching them how to play the game all as a giant group we played space base and tiny towns and it's a lot of fun fellowshipping over the meal and then playing the games and people meet new people at these events because you know it's normally several people at the table together and then you know and you're sitting might, there for an hour because you're yeah. eating and playing yeah and then you see those same people get together later in the gaming hall because they've already met each other. So it's a nice little bit of an icebreaker that way. And then you see them come back five years in a row and say, yeah, we met them at the first TantrumCon tournament. <laughs> yeah. So beyond that, normally one person at each table randomly wins the game. So people are walking home with games. We have raffles for more games. So it's a lot of fun and excitement at the tournaments. And I wasn't even at the most exciting one, which was the live boop. Was anyone there? <laughs> I was Did there. you experience it? It was a good time. Katie made everybody a set of like a uh, headband with uh, cat, cat ears. ears on it. And so when you walked in, you picked whether you didn't realize you were doing it, but you picked whether you were a, a cat or a kitten. It's a two player game where you're trying to upgrade your kittens on a bed to cats and then have them dominate the bed against the other player. And we also, in addition to giving everybody a, a headset and being able to play the, t the game at the table, we also made a human giant size version of the board, which is basically a, a giant quilt that's cut into a grid that's like five by five or four by four or something like that. Uh, but in the game, but then we had the players, the people who were eating come and play the game. And it was a great time. Plenty of the people, I'll be honest, were a little reluctant. They were like, okay, I'll stand here on this square and be a cat. But then some of the people were getting serious into it. And they're like jumping onto the board with like uh, Avengers landing poses like Thor and, you know, Black Pan Black, uh, goodness, what's her name? Black Widow? Yeah, the coolest pose lady in the whole thing. Black Widow. Jumping on the board. Pshaw! And then when you place your token on the board, everything that's around it gets bumped one space. Or booped. Or booped one space. So everybody's booping away from them. It was a good time. It was, really, it was a lot of fun. I was surprised to see people wearing the cat ears. The whole out. Everybody. I was expecting them to just take them off, but they wore them the rest of the day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the rest of the day and the entire meal. Yeah, everybody had them on. It was a good time. I actually, this is another funny story. Uh, Brandon Nall, former Brawling Brother, current Blue Peg Pink Pegger. Yeah. Um, does he have like a, is he like a gray peg? I don't know what he is over there. Uh, 
he was at the show. He was leaving right as Boop was going on. And so he ran over and I was like, we got to get a quick pic before we say goodbye. So we just shot like a quick selfie to say bye. And then 20 minutes later, I realized I have like pink cat ears on <laughs> in this photo. I totally <laughs> forgot they were on my head. <laughs> and I texted him like, oh, I didn't even realize I was wearing these. And he was like, oh, perfect. I figured you'd just post that all over social media with your pink cat ears. <laughs> One of my highlights was the celebrity table flipping. We had some great table flippers this year, uh, including Ted Allspock himself. We had, uh, let's see, Daniel Reynolds, who is a board game designer for um, Underdog Games. We had Daryl Andrews, board game designer. Crushed we, it. It was yeah. a great flip. He, he had a great flip. And Maddox, right? And uh, Maddox Schuler from, from Keymaster yeah. Games. And then we also had Pat Marino, board game designer from The Op. And last person, Lizzie Funkhauser. Lizzie Funkhauser from Board Game Spotlight. I was trying to remember everybody that flipped. Uh, I believe... Who was the last? Was it Maddox? Yes. Yeah, for the final day. Maddox did a 360, which it's been since the very first year, five years ago, that somebody has been able to land a 360. Yeah, flip the table and land it back on his feet. Yes. Only second time in history. Uh-huh. And Ted, who is like, I don't know how tall he is, six foot four or something, threw his table so high into the air, it was our first table casualty. It's our first yes. broken table. We've been using the same tables for five if years. If you want a durable table, get it from Target online. <laughs> <laughs> you can flip that puppy for years. It'll be fine. Uh, broken one. The thing that I've never thought about before is like if he had broken it on night one, we, we would have been in trouble. We would have no, run into Target to, to buy another and table. More tables. No, we did think that we have... It was a great... In the backup plan, we knew this could happen, I that it could break. such a thing. Never. And fathomed. the other table is also pretty beat up. Yeah, they've they've had a good run. These both will need to be replaced. It was a great finale, next. though. It, it was ripped the bottom frame out of the table. He threw it so high. It was a good. It was, it was a good great. toss. They all, it was really close to hitting the ceiling chandeliers. The ceiling man. There was low chandeliers, and we were. <laughs> we had to go watch that replay. <laughs> this is a lot more dramatic than I remember. There were at least components. I Do believe we have that like were close. some sort of like NDA with the hotel. I'm not NDA. Uh, some sort of like liability. It, the table, with the hotel. The table didn't wasn't. It was pieces. Okay. Uh, what, Monopoly like, houses. He didn't throw, like, he didn't throw we, the table okay. thirty foot in the no, air. No, no, no. <laughs> Monopoly wow. pieces hitting the ceiling it, no. are not <laughs> going strong. to cause damage we did make everybody wear safety glasses because that will protect you from a giant table flinging towards your face <laughs> but wasn't it the people flipping that were wearing the glasses not the people Correct. in the audience yes yeah. very safe very safe don't worry anybody uh tell us about this mansplaining um story that you wanted to talk about will or ryan or will so i was just saying that we got a copy while we were at tantrum con this was a game that i got to pre prototype play test at origins maybe like two years ago mm -hmm. or something yep. and really fun concept i haven't played it since then ryan played it at tantrum con yeah there was a tournament um with one of the designers and he even did one of the mansplainings he's really good he's doing it. all Practice. sorts of uh words to throw us off so basically you have to get across a concept like um how to recycle but you're not allowed to say recycle and so People need to guess what your topic is. While you are giving your topic, you have so many details that you need to throw in there. And each detail you throw in is a point for you. But each detail that your opponents guess is a point for them. So you want them, you want to throw them in, but you don't want to make it obvious. So one of the details is pizzazz. And like, so you got to throw in some other uh weird words that they're not like oh yeah pizzazz is obviously the outlier yeah when you just <laughs> give normal instructions and then you throw in weird words like pizzazz or cornucopia or bewilder like th these stand out so much oh, yeah. that it yeah you, so you have to throw in lots of weird words which is difficult to do when you're trying to explain how to do something so you're you're kind of talking around the topic without getting right at it because, uh, well, under a certain number of players, you just want somebody to guess it. Over, I think, four players, suddenly you only want 
some people to guess it, but not everybody to get points. So you you have to be close, but not too close, because if you're too obvious, everybody knows. Yeah, then you just don't get ahead. I so. don't remember. There were some definitely harder categories. The first one I got, I don't even remember what it was. I don't even know how to explain it well. And the second one was easier, like how to wear a wig or something like that. But the first one, I was like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I but I'm just using this. words. So You needed someone to mansplain it to you? Yes. Yeah. When, when I played, and this was the prototype a couple years ago, mine was how to work. That was the topic. And I was like, how do you explain that to somebody? Oh, yeah. And we were playing a big group, so only some of the people... Are you some pizzazz, Sarah? Right. <laughs> Cornucopia of vocabulary. Yeah. I think I threw my first five details all in the same first sentence. Wow. And then I had to come up with just bizarre sentences after that <laughs> to try to throw them off. But I was like, I can't go too bizarre because ultimately I'm talking about recycling. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fun concept. It is. It's not... I will be honest, it's not like the most approachable party game because it does take a little bit of skill and you've got to be able to speak like and, and have a decent-sized vocabulary. Yeah. But with the right group of people, sure. it is hysterical. Yeah, you definitely need people that are able to think on their feet a little bit. So. Yeah, or that have may- or maybe it's just like having a similar uh, vocabulary slash education level or something. Yeah. Like it's hard to play with kids because they just yeah. say the word that they're right. supposed to say. But if you get, you get the right the group and it's a good time. Yep, that was designed by uh, Fertessa and uh, Mondo, Mondo Davis. Davis. Yeah, 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 yeah Mondo did a good job. Did you get to play any prototypes while at TandemCon? Three, two or three prototypes. Yeah, I did too. I was yeah. not not really planning to, but it so, was a good time. Isaac Shalev, who we've known for a while now, yeah, um, he's been coming to the, for to TandemCon for the past few years. He brought his family this year. I know that's very cool. Sound like they had a great time. Yeah, but he has a game coming out with Grand Gamers Guild called Turv. Tervanog or something like that. Mm-hmm. Tervanog. It's like a, a um, it's a Irish Celtic sort of um, themed game, and it's sort of a tableau building. But the um, tableau is um, in front of you, and you're pulling cards from a from a center tableau. And where you, it's it interesting mechanic. Um, I would say it's heavier on the mechanic and light on the theme. But the artwork's really cool. It's the same artwork as his Unreal Estate game, which is one of his first one oh, of Grand yeah. Gamers' first. That was interesting yeah. artwork. It was really good artwork. Same artist, same like design. Yeah. You know how style. like Miko has like uh-huh. like that design. Uh, he's got a very unique art style. So does this guy. This this I don't know his name. Um, so I got to play that. Got to play um, uh, Julio. Mm-hmm. Um, with holy, did you play his? I played. Which one did you play? I played two. I, I played a party game where you are freehand. Yes, it's like. Okay, how would you describe? Because I, I would have... describe it as pictures. Yes, but better. Pictures with better. I would say it's it, in the game. You are. I say you... it's not as good as pictures. Really? Yeah. I thought the thing that I dislike about pictures is that if you in that game you're trying to create recreate an image using a certain pile of components or whatever mm-hmm. and in that one i feel like some of the components make it easier to achieve what sure. you're trying to do than other ones in this game you have like five pictures on the table you have a basically it's a stylus a pencil and then you have a pile of small rounded ish cubes yeah and you have to create one I of the images in the round. middle they're, just, they're like they have shaped off corners like rounded dice, like dice. Yeah, okay. Like okay yeah a little sense. bit more than that like they kind of roll a little bit they don't quite go exactly where you want Will's, them to go Will's centering on something that he doesn't need to center around alright they have cubes in front of you he told me he specifically designed the cubes to be rounded so just, just so you guys know <laughs> <laughs> not even lying and uh, so you're basically sliding these cubes around to try to create the image one of the images out there and you can pick whichever one you want so you could pick an easier one that has like a really you know, prominent object in it or something, and you could create that. However, you get more points if you pick a unique image. Like if nobody else picks the same one as you, you get additional points. And then you have, it's, it's a similar timing mechanic to a lot of games where the first person to finish grabs the sand timer mm-hmm. and starts it, and then everybody has the remaining amount of time to, to finish organizing their cubes that are kind of going all over the place into the image that they want you to guess. And then the first person who grabbed the sand, sand, sand timer, once everyone is done, they get to guess one of the other players at the table's drawing so they can pick kind of the easiest one since they were first. And if they get it right, they get a point, and then they go around in a circle, and everybody else gets to guess. I think they get it, they get a point, and the person, if they guessed it correctly, gets a point. Mm-hmm. And then you actually go around a second time, and if you, and if there's still unguessed ones, you can take another guess. If you get it right, you get just the point that time. Um, you don't want to pick the same picture as other people, though. 
Right. You, you do get more points if you pick an original if you're one. unique. Yeah. But you don't know if other people are doing the picture you picked. Yeah. And then the first person to score like 10 points wins. Each time you score a point, though, you lose one of your cubes, which I don't know that it was super dramatic, but it, you do like, you know, a third of your cubes are gone by the end of the game, which made it a little more interesting. Yep. It was it was quick and fun, and I, I liked it because I was good at it. I was able to like capture the essence of the image with mm-hmm. my little cubes. One of the guys we were playing with, he was trying to be like conceptual, but not tell anybody that. Oh wow! <laughs> so there was like yeah. a picture that had like a snowman in it and a sled or something like that. He didn't make the shape of a snowman or a sled. He tried to make like a snowflake. Oh, so man. we're all looking at it. We're like, none of them have this shape in it. What could this possibly be? And gotcha. nobody got it right. And then he was like, it's a snowflake for the snow one. And we were like, oh, gosh, no, didn't get it. Second one, he does the same thing. He draws like a sun. None of them have a sun in it. I was like, you're killing that. <laughs> I don't think you understand the point of this game. Yeah, I know. The point of the game funny. is find something that's unique in that picture. That right. stands out. Yeah. Like a rocket ship. Make a little rocket ship and you're done. Right. One of them was like a giant, um, it was like a, a haunted cemetery or something like that but one of the tombstones in the front had a cross on it so i just it was the only picture that had a cross i made a cross like in four seconds grabbed the sand timer i got a guess first i got it right they got mine right like you just got to find the quintessential piece yeah. and do it fast yeah it was fun the only other pro- oh i may have played a few others but the one i remember playing was from how to steam broccoli oh yeah but we, we talked about oh, a the few tether epi- game the tether game yeah did you get to play it i didn't get to play it i did get to see it during the pitchathon or Proto Sharp, I don't know what we call it. Proto Tank. Proto Tank, which I'll talk about in a second, but tell us about the game. Yeah, so um, we've talked about a few episodes, so I don't need to go into great detail, but you are sort of head to head playing numbered cards, and um, they have, like, say I have the number 60 in my hand. Um, when I lay it down, it looks like 06 or, I don't know, 09 yeah, or something. You sit across from yeah, You're yeah. sitting across, so the other person sees, like, the opposite one. Um, and um, how you're laying them down is you're trying to create runs um, if you're on the one side in a horizontal way, whereas the person on the other side is trying to create runs in a vertical way. And I find that it was really interesting because you're starting to tether these cards together and you're creating different groups. And then you can bring the groups together if you're playing the right cards at the right time and getting points. So, yeah, yeah I thought the artwork on it looked great. I yep. thought the uh, gameplay was unique. Mm-hmm. He gave a great pitch at right. the prototype type thing because he was like, what's one thing before he even pulled it out? He was like, what's one thing that we all have in common? We wish we were astronauts. <laughs> and we were all like, oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Good pitch. <laughs> and he was like, what's one thing that we all know about astronauts? They don't want to be alone in space. <laughs> and I was like, man, you're sucking us in. This is a great story. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell did. us about Prototype then. Uh, so that was really fantastic. We've done the pitch-a-thon, as we've called it in the past, for a number of years. And it was an opportunity for game designers to bring their prototypes to us, uh, maybe get some coverage on our YouTube channel, and just to have an opportunity to get some feedback from usually media folks it was usually somebody from our team uh however this year we had several uh top level special guests um who were willing to be a part of this board and they did a really fantastic job and we kind of treated it more like shark tank than we did a pitchathon. and so i mean not that they're that different i don't know what the difference is but people came and they presented and uh we had basically everybody we just listed a minute ago uh daryl andrews was one of our sharks uh ted Ospaugh, um, Pat Marino and uh, Scott Brady, the designer of Boop and some other, and uh, Hughes and Cues. Uh, so they all joined us on the on the board or whatever. And everybody came. We gave them a couple minutes to pitch their game to show it off, and then we gave the Sharks opportunity to give feedback. And uh, I would say, like on the prototype level, these are probably the best prototypes that we've ever seen. They all looked like real games. People had worked hard. I, I mean, I think we told them who the judges were, so maybe that upped their game a little bit. But everybody's stuff looked sharp. Uh, everybody was well rehearsed. They spoke well. They did. I think Pat hosted a pitch tune-up meeting the day before or earlier that morning so that you could kind of give tips on how to pitch your games and stuff. And, man, it was a great show. Everybody did a, a really fantastic job pitching their games. We had some really unique uh, things, everything from, like, products that families can use to help their kids communicate better up to, like, heavy way too many things going on mechanically in the game types of things. Um, I'll give a shout out to one of the designers. His name's Nicholas. And he basically invented a new type of card mechanic, which was pretty slick. I think I can talk about it. Cause he was saying like, yeah, anybody who wants to use it can use it. It'd be great. But he like 
invented a way to like slide two cards together with each other. And then when you flip the cards, it creates like five different types of faces for the cards. I don't know. It was interesting. It's hard to explain, but, uh, he was very, it was a good presentation. Everybody was kind of fascinated by it. The mechanic itself kind of drowned out the game design because everybody was like, stop, don't tell us about your mining dwarf game that looks weird. Tell us about this mechanic a little bit more. How's this work? Is it eight different faces, six different faces? How's this working? Um, so it was really fascinating. The uh, Everybody presented, I think we had like 10 pitches and then the judges took a quick quick break, and they came back and they presented. Uh, we gave away a, a pretty decent prize pack. We gave tickets to ProtoATL, which is a publisher meetup for game designers that's happening later this year. Um, we had some folks from the North Carolina Game Designer Team. I don't remember what their thing is called. Sorry, John Jewell. And uh, we did had put together some like coaching where they're going to be able to do some playtesting with that group. Uh, if any of the winners... I don't think any of them were Kickstarters, but if they were, we agreed to do uh, some Kickstarter promo videos for them when they get ready to launch their campaigns. Anyway, it was really neat. The uh, The judges all presented their first, second, third type place winning, and uh, I fully expected it to be like, I, I warned a couple of the people like, we're not, you know, we're not like giving away deals. Ted's not guaranteeing that he's going to publish your game. This is just a fun, come learn, come experience thing. However, as each judge presented it, it was basically like, Scott got done and he was like, hey, I'm presenting this place to this person. And by the way, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I got a game concept that I'd love to incorporate your stuff into. See if we can partner on something. And then Ted was like, this game basically is like a sweet, new, crazy version of Whistle Mountain. I'd love to talk to you about publishing this game. And then Daryl was like, this game really has some pizzazz to it. See, I worked that in there. And uh, I'd love to introduce you to this publisher who I think is looking for this type of game. And then uh, Pat was like, hey, I don't like the type of game that you designed. It's not my personal preference. However, the op might be looking for this game. So all four of the winners like walked away with connections, hookups, personal, you know, like let's get a meeting in the books because we may end up publishing this game. So it was neat. It was a very exciting time. Everybody was thrilled walking away. I think even the people who like didn't place were still like everybody hung out in the room and talked for another hour because they were getting feedback from the other designers and the publishers. Everybody went out and play tested each other's games. It was a cool time. It was like our best prototype event yet. So put that one in the books. It would be hard to top next year, but see what we can do. Sounds like it was great. It was a good time. Also, you guys had party poppers that you blasted <laughs> at the end. We and, had a great photo. And it sounded like a bomb went off in the uh, Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> just it was an enclosed glass room like one two walls of the room were glass outlooking the rest of the it was a glass board space. room yeah yeah and it just echoed so much that it they were like the confetti poppers and we yeah. gave everybody one monica was like you know if we want to set off one during the show like i i'll back your game or whatever that'll be fun well we just saved them all for the end and then like on three we popped six of them at the same time <laughs> we're lucky we did like shatter glass everybody in the room was like oh I think a little pee just came out. <laughs> it was so loud. A <laughs> good shot. Oh. Good times. Yeah. I had a great time in the late night gaming hours, like I usually do, playing some of the heavier games that I haven't seen come over to my house before. They're still at my house. They're still, <laughs> they're still at Melissa's house, but I did get to play them. Uh, I got to play Lacrimosa. So Sarah's tradition is to start a three-hour game at midnight and see how long or it goes. Or at one thirty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, we played Teletum, and uh, I we played a few others. I we did also play a couple of Scott Brady's prototypes, which two I'm not allowed to talk about, but are going to be great. And um, the other one is still in early um, phases, but. I enjoyed it. I don't usually like all deduction games, but this one was a cooperative induction that, game. induction game, which I realized I was good at. <laughs> Not <laughs> it was neat. It was a very fun. Uh, he described it as kind of being like mastermind, where you're kind of like eliminating possibilities, which was a decent and you're description. Trying to find like there's a a code of how you're laying number cards down in a line in a specific order and they may create patterns or you have to figure out what 
So you'll lay a card down and You're whoever looking is, for a pattern, but it all. creates a lot of patterns that you weren't looking for. And so it's really easy to like, so oh, I think like, we figured it out. Yeah. So no, you have to you have to make an if then <laughs> statement to guess the answer. And so it's like, uh, if you lay a three, then your next card must be higher or whatever. So you just are randomly laying cards trying to figure out and the, whoever's um, the GM or whatever will tell you yes or no, your card is correct. It reminded me of decorum a little bit, but like it was that type of mental processing where you're working together as a team to try to achieve something, but in a much simpler layout so you can yeah. just bust out this deck of cards and play it. It was it was interesting. Have you played Turing Machine? Oh, I have, but I'm not very good at it. But is, it, it is there any my... similarities? Because um, sometimes little you're bit. just throwing things to see if it guesses. Yeah, so it did. So it actually, probably his earlier prototype sounded a lot more like that because mm-hmm. he was saying originally it was a competitive game and everybody's like quietly, secretly working on their solutions for it. But he said he's kind of turned it more into a co-op party game because it's more interesting for everybody to talk through. Yeah, like, he said I think everybody it's has what do you think fun about that? talking about what they think is going on. Yeah, um, Turing Machine was in our hot games area for the first day because it, we started running. It was so popular, we started running out of sheets. <laughs> um, but I I really enjoy Turing Machine, but I almost like it better as a solo game because it mm-hmm. is so much of just ignoring the other people, basically, and just um, playing by yourself. So the cooperative nature sounds interesting. Yeah, it was a fun time. He's got some things to kind of work out on like the difficulty levels, but I think he's got he's got something cool going on. I think it was in my top ten games of last year. This the Turn, one that we're talking about? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was not in my if, top ten. If yours was <laughs> similar. Yeah, I was on baby duty a lot of the time because Katie was spending so much time setting up for tournament meals. I did a lot of watching of our youngest. Um but I did still get to play some games and Occasionally, I got to hand the baby over <laughs> and pick up whatever game Katie was playing. And I was surprised. I tallied it up. I won all but one of the games Whoa. I played. Whoa. Which it was a real confidence. Two games. <laughs> amazing, right? I know. So, no, I, it was something like nine games that I got to play over the course of the con. That's a pretty good number. It's yeah. hard to get games in sometimes. I did was surprised. You, I, go ahead. Did you teach any games? Yeah, I, I taught... Well, I did the Play With Me games. Uh, I did Call to Adventure Epic Origins, um, which is kind of a um, fantasy RPG version of Call to Adventure, which is one of my favorite games of all time. And then uh, I also got to play or do the Play With Me of Decorum. Oh, yeah. And uh, Speaking of. One, of. one of my folks didn't show up, so it was just me and two other guys instead of um, four players. And uh, one guy was, you know, he was enjoying it. But the, the third guy who was there uh he was just like super into it <laughs> he was like role-playing oh, oh nice i this have played a, I mean, it that way that is it is aggressive. hilarious yeah. Yeah. he's like really into it. <laughs> i was like i'm low on sleep this is awesome but it's I, a little intense. It. <laughs> <laughs> I have i have played that game where we have gotten into it and i played with will two of will's siblings which also makes it funny when if you play a scenario where you're all living in the house, it <laughs> just blaming each other for stuff and like being super passive aggressive it's, makes the game pretty funny. Yeah, lots of fun. All right. So one last thing that I got to do that I was looking forward to and pulled it off and it was a lot of fun was I got to play Blood on the Clock Tower finally. Have any of you guys played that yet? It's fascinating. I have a feeling it would not be my type of game. No, I don't a think so. A little too social, I think. I generally agree. However, it is uh, like Werewolf is a great, I mean, they're very similar. Werewolf is a good, like, quick, one-off, you know, play it. You don't have to know what you're doing. You just jump into the game. This one's a lot more, uh, like, in Werewolf, there's, like, a bunch of townspeople who have no role, even if you play with, like, the maximum number and, and their roles are usually like random things that don't really matter. In this one, it's a lot more sophisticated. Every player in the game has a role. And because everyone has a role, you can actually deduce who people are based on the information that they give. So it's a whole lot more like a logic puzzle than it is just a social is deduction. Then Melissa is like, has to keep that, whatever she is, a secret or... 
Try. No poker face. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or trying to, she knows the right answer, but if she's like, Will's the bad guy, then no one's going to believe Melissa's. They're all going to believe Will anyway. Right. So, so, so I can't out manipulate anyone. This is a true statement. Um, two things that also help that are unlike in Werewolf, where everybody just sits around in a circle and like accuses each other out loud. This game actually encourages you to break off into groups each day. So in the middle of the night, somebody gets killed, and then all of a sudden, people are like, in their own little pods talking to each other. It's Survivor. Yeah. and that, Oh, yes. That's actually a very good description because there is plenty of manipulation that happens in there, but there's also like, if you find somebody that you feel like you can trust and they give you this piece of information, well, all of a sudden it clicks with what piece of information you already had and now you can like figure out who's doing what and things. So... The very first game I played, part of the reason I obviously love it is because I was the imp the first game. So I'm the main bad guy, and I'm trying to, like, get somebody to totally believe that I'm not. <laughs> so there is manipulation in it. But they're giving me information, and I'm like, okay, well, then I definitely know who I need to kill in the middle of the night. But if I kill them in the middle of the night tonight, it'll be obvious to the guy that I just talked to. So now i got to kill somebody else. So maybe I kill them. Also in the game, though, when you die, you're not out. So you can still continue as a ghost to share information with other players. So you have to be like really careful with how you, you know, what you say and how you do it throughout the course of the game. Um, it's got a pretty, it's got, it comes in a humongous box. I think it costs a million dollars. I don't even know. The box is like felt lined on the inside. You actually lay out a map of where the players sit at because the best twist in the whole game is that one of the good guys is actually drunk, but doesn't know it. And so he's getting information that's incorrect the whole time. He knows what role he thinks he is. I am the uh, fortune teller or whatever. And I looked in the middle of the night and one of those two guys is a bad guy, except he didn't realize he was drunk and doesn't know. So like the, the, like the passion that people put into it because they're like, no, I'm 100% confident. I know for a fact, one of these two is it. And then everybody believes them because they were, in fact, telling the truth from their own perspective, which made it so much easier for them to lie. And then we murder someone in the middle of the night. And then it's like, that wasn't them. What is going on? We believed you. Now we have to kill you. No, I promise. I must be drunk. Sure, that's what the imp would say. It's great. It's super great. So if you're looking for a three-hour version of Werewolf, it did take us a long time because... Because everybody's breaking up every day to like go discuss and, and decipher information and okay, lie. That game took you the same time as it took me to play Lacrimosa. Correct. It did. 100%. You're like, oh, we're just going to play this quick party game. And I no, was like, I never said okay. quick. <laughs> well, I wa you guys were leaving. We were playing at the and same I'm time. like, we just were scoring Lacrimosa. Yeah. No, I played one game of Blood okay. of the Clock Tower. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great time. If you enjoy Social Deduction, it's definitely worth it. Check it out. Um, one of my other highlights from TantrumCon. I'm sure we'll have plenty more TantrumCon to talk about in future episodes because there really was a lot going on this year. It was very exciting. Uh, and we've also got to put together some details for next year's event. So uh, if you went to TantrumCon, keep an ear out. If you didn't already get the email, we're sending out a survey. We'd love your feedback on it uh, because we'd love to know uh, what you guys enjoyed, what things you prioritize so that we can make the best decisions moving forward. But I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. So hang around for the next one. We'll talk more and have lots and lots of fun. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tantrum House Board Game Podcast. If you liked any part of this at all, find and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tantrumhouse.com. Like us, share us, email us, call us, or send us a postcard to Tantrum House, 306 Berry Drive, that's B-A-R-R-Y, Greer, South Carolina, 29650.